Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, thanks so much for joining me on another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way that you can support always is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love most. Maybe that's a classmate, roommate, colleague, family member, friend, someone else who could benefit from the powerful wisdom shared today. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content. So thank you so much in advance. Also, make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge to upgrade your life this week. Today, we're diving deep with one of my dear friends, Anna David. We're talking about her journey of healing from addiction, and most importantly, how you can use your own precious story to inspire others across the world. For many of us, our stories may feel small and perhaps insignificant when compared to the accomplishments or struggles of others around us. But as Anna is going to share today, your story, no matter who you are or what you've experienced, has the power to impact others on a massive scale. Anna believes that writing is one of the most incredible ways to heal. And one of the greatest treasures of storytelling is the ability to create a movement and a community around common emotions, struggles, pain, and past frustrations. Through our stories, we're able to heal ourselves from past traumas, learn and grow from our experiences, and create new pathways to upgrade our lives. And there is no one better to share the importance of storytelling than her. Anna David is a New York Times bestselling author published in the New York Times, Time, and the LA Times, among many others. And she's appeared repeatedly on the Today Show, The Talk, and the CBS Morning Show. She's been featured as a speaker at three different TEDx events, and her company, Launchpad Publishing, helps people write and publish their books. All right, without further ado, let's meet Anna now. Hey there, Anna. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you for showing up. I know you are in the middle of a book launch, and I just so appreciate you taking the time to dive in. I'm so honored to be on here. You have no idea. So thank you. I'm grateful for you and for our friendship and getting to know you for the past couple of years. You've spoken at several of our events and been a really instrumental part of our community. And I'm just really thankful for you being here to share your story of addiction. I know that there's so many women who are listening right now, specifically in my community, who have varying degrees of addiction. I know you've told this story so many times, but I would love for the audience just to get a little bit of a background on your life and how you've come to write eight books and become a New York Times bestseller and how you've overcome addiction. Because I think it is such an inspiring story. 
specifically to share with this audience? Well, yes, I will be 20 years sober in November. So it's like, I really am so bored of my own addiction story at this point. (laughs) But yes, my story was, I started drinking at 12. By the age of 29, I was doing cocaine by myself a lot. And I wanted to die. And I thought that sobriety sounded like the end of life. But since I was contemplating the end of life, I was like, okay, well, I can always go to rehab. And if it's as bad as I think it's going to be, I can kill myself. And if it's not, I can't kill myself and then try rehab. So that's like about as hopeless as you can be. I really didn't see that there was a life beyond drinking and drugs. And I got sober and, you know, I went to treatment and then to 12 step. And like, I had this magical, what they call like a pink cloud, which is like what it sounds like. So it was just glorious. And I had been so isolated for so long and so depressed for so long that suddenly I'm around all of these vibrant, amazing, brilliant people. And I just took to it. That is not the standard, you know? Mm. So if anyone's listening, who's like, what do you mean? Like I started and I'm miserable or I don't, I don't, that was unusual. And it came later, the tough times do come. And, you know, it was a couple years into sobriety where I was like, wait, what is this? It doesn't seem so new and exciting anymore. And now at almost 20 years of sobriety, I'm like uncovering a new layer that I am not enjoying. There is Mm. nothing fun about uncovering, nothing. And I'm in it right now. So, which is to say that like addiction to me isn't about how many drugs you do, how little food you eat, how many hours you spend at the craps table. It is about this way of thinking. I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. And this sort of self-obsession mixed with self-hatred that there's only one escape from that. And it's drugs, food, gambling, whatever it is. And then, and it works. Oh my Mm -hmm. God, it works so well. And then it stops and it turns on you and it is the opposite of working. And suddenly it's worse than it ever was before you ever found the thing. And that's when people find recovery and you, and it's a spiritual solution. Yeah. I mean, you had this moment where like things started to shift rapidly, but then over the last 20 years, you've been in this process of healing and really pulling back the layers, right? To see what's underneath there and go through this process of deeper healing and, and witnessing again, the reasons behind the addiction. I'm curious what's showing up, if you wouldn't mind sharing right now, if it was related to COVID, if it's related to what's happening in the world. Why do you, 20 years later, it's like, okay, well, right now seems to be this hard experience in which you're witnessing that's like, okay, I've done all of these different therapies and all of these different practices. And now I'm, I feel like I'm somewhat back in it again. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, it's not back in it again, exactly. Because I now have 20 years of experience of knowing this feeling passes. I mean, the Mm. hardest part about addiction is you don't have experience with it passing. You have experience with it passing because you do some substance, but like, so one of the hardest things about going through a hard time is part of a hard time is your brain convinces you that you've always felt like this, that you're always going to feel like this. So I now know that my brain's lying to me because I'm not exactly sure. I would say that when the pandemic, we first started to get information, I was one of those, oh my God, this is a time for rejuvenation and healing. And it's sad, but I am going to thrive. And Mm -hmm. I really did. 
And I, you know, I recorded my audio book in the little studio that I'm sitting in now. I wrote the screenplay for my first book, you know, which was optioned by a man who I met through you. So I was really doing well. Then when the news came that it was sort of in like life was never going to go back to normal. I really went crashing down emotionally. And I, it feels quite self-indulgent since I haven't lost anybody to COVID. I barely know anyone who's gotten it. And my work hasn't suffered. And now as all of the new horrible things have come up, I do believe my meditation teacher says I've been doing Vedic meditation for I think 16 or 17 years. And he talks about as meditators, we feel the collective pain. We all feel the collective pain, whether we're meditators or not. Some people are more conscious of it than others. I am feeling it. And it's not like that I'm so empathetic. It's just that I feel it. And you know, my meditation teacher talks about how it's just discomfort working its way through your body. You're releasing old stresses. But I am so uncomfortable with discomfort that I resist and that's where the pain comes. Yeah, it's so interesting that in the avoidance, we suppress it more instead of clearing it through our body and really recognizing that. And what I love that you said is it is very temporary if we can continue to not allow our mind to continue to play that trick on us that this is everlasting and it's going to always be there and it's always going to continue and we'll always be in suffering. And I think that is one of the greatest tricks of the mind is that when we're in suffering, we convince ourselves that the suffering will be inevitable. And the real witness to the shift for me has been the space between the thoughts, probably as your meditation teacher speaks to. It's like witnessing the solitude and the grace and the ease and the flow and and the nothingness between where your mind is actually playing tricks on us. And so I absolutely, yeah, I am absolutely in agreement of that. I'm curious if you've been doing anything else from a healing perspective, or if you're just trusting that this is going to move through as it always does. Well, I am actually trying something kind of radical, which is pulse. There's a facility called Pulse TMS and it's magnetic stimulation to your brain. Have you heard about TMS? No. It's pretty intense, but Pulse TMS is the best facility, like I think in the world and it's here. And it is magnetic stimulation that you go in and you get on your brain five days a week for six weeks. And the idea is that when you're brain is when the neurons aren't firing well, you feel this this sadness and it stimulates that. That is the least scientific explanation ever. So today was my third day of doing it. And I'm going in with, what did somebody say in a meeting the other day? Faith is joyful expectation. Like I'm going in with joyful expectation and giving it a try. I'll try. I've done EMDR. I'm still doing EMDR and the meditation and 12 step. I mean, I, I'm doing it all right now. Mm. And when discomfort's with you, it is with you. It kind of doesn't care that you're doing all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. And with the 12 step, you've been doing that for 20 years now, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about your experience with that? Because I think people have preconceived thoughts and feelings about 12 step. And I know that when I had a very dear family member going through his addiction, you were such a light and a gift to his experience and helping him and supporting him through just breaking down the belief that if you're going to 12-step, you're broken or there's something wrong with you. And it's really about the community aspect. And when we, when I've actually looked into the research behind 12-step and I've seen time and time again why it works, I've witnessed that it's the community aspect and, and we all need that support regardless of what the addiction is. 
Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because it's since, you know, in the last few years, these very loud debates about 12-step have popped up. And they're usually debates led by people who know nothing about 12-step. So there's a faction that thinks that 12-step is evil. There's a faction that thinks you have to do 12-step. There's a faction that thinks you have to do yoga. Like everybody's got a thing. What they all agree on is that community is crucial. They all think that. And as anti-12-step as anybody could be, and that's, I feel like, such a misconception. Every single person in 12-step was anti-12-step. Like you Mm. think, people think like, oh, we just went dancing in there holding hands because we were so excited to go there. No, I bought all the books about why AA was the worst place on earth. I did everything to not have to go there. And so did everybody else I know who's now Mm. there. And I went there and it was nothing like I expected it to be. And it continues to be nothing like I spent all those years thinking it would be. It, It is this place where, I mean, especially in LA, where we're super lucky because these meetings are filled with the most dynamic, brilliant, spiritual people. And you know, now that these meetings are happening over Zoom, people from all over the world are coming mm. into LA meetings because they're like, LA recovery is, everyone knows it's the best. And I basically feel like I had been looking for rules for living my whole life. The rules I was given growing up were no good. And I walked into 12-step rooms and there were these rules. There were 12 steps. And I looked at them and I'm like, what? I I was like, well, I don't know what these things are. I don't get it at all. And basically I was led through them. And the main idea is just that like this powerlessness thing, I don't want to go off too much on this thing, but that is very misunderstood. I am powerless over drugs and alcohol. I continue to call myself an addict because I still am. I just don't do drugs and alcohol anymore. And it's really about like surrendering control. It doesn't make me weak. It makes me strong, I think. Yeah, I think part of the healing journey, which was so crucial for me, was the acceptance piece. Because when you're not in acceptance, you're just pushing and pushing and pushing against it. But when you finally step into the acceptance and surrender, and even the acceptance and surrender, like, this is my body. I can't change it. There's no way I can manipulate it to someone else's DNA. There's no way I can manipulate what I'm eating to look like another woman. It's like, there's that acceptance and surrender piece where you just say like, this is who I am. And I have this addiction and I have this experience in this relationship with food in my body. And, and the moment that I stepped into that and really just spoke that truth, things really started to shift because I was no longer hiding behind it. And so I'm again, in full agreement of that. And I think it is really, really part of the healing process that is so often missed or neglected. That is just really, really important. And and that leads me to what you're currently working on, which I think is so important, which is sharing and being vulnerable in terms of talking about your messes, your mistakes, your challenges, your wounding, your your pain. And I know that this has been a big mission for you and something that you're currently working on is helping people heal through telling their memoirs, telling their stories, talking about this process. I'm curious if you could dive a little bit more into this for the listeners, because I'm such an advocate for writing out the stories and journaling. I haven't been as much of an advocate for like sharing the stories. And that's why I'm so excited to hear from you this process, because for me, stepping into my story and sharing it was one of the most healing experiences of my life. The first few days, it was, I remember it being terrifying and it felt very traumatizing to my body, like telling everyone I had this eating disorder and I was hiding behind all these images on Instagram. But a few days later, I had such a weight lifted off of my shoulders, having shared my stories of eating disorders and my past experiences with addiction. And so, yeah, I would love for you to kind of break down this process that you recommend for people when they're going through this healing process of sharing their own pain. 
Yeah. You know, I have always healed by writing. I kept my first journal when I was six and it is always how I've processed my emotions. I majored in creative writing. And so for me, writing about my experiences and sharing them with other people never felt scary to me. It almost gets scarier now. I was so unconscious. I just kind of, and I got all this credit for busting out and like showing like I'm a recovered woman. I didn't think I was doing that. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to do it really. And, you know, I've always been this sort of chronic over sharer. And what I learned is that, you know, and, and luckily I don't really think about how people are going to respond to what I write. So I was really surprised when I put out my first book, Party Girl, came out in 2005. And then I started going on the Today Show and and all over talking about addiction. And I started hearing from people and I still hear from strangers. I mean, not as much anymore, but like maybe once a week, you know, for the last 15 years. And I started to realize that what I was writing was helping people. And I've had numerous people, I used to have a podcast about addiction. Numerous people tell me that it got them sober. And this feeling that my suffering or my struggles or my mess could actually help other people, I found it as healing as any form of therapy that I've ever done. So my new book, Make Your Mess Your Memoir, is basically about how to take a very messy life make it into a memoir. Well, make it into a message first and then a memoir and then a business. Yeah. And so the first 10, I decided, you know, my whole thing was that I used to read only memoirs and they were great and I would never be able to take information I, I gleaned from them and apply it to my life. So then I started reading only business books, but I was, I, there was no story to most of them. So I th- thought like, I'll do a bizoir. I'll do a combination memoir business book. So it is 10 chapters of my messy life and then four chapters of how do you, reader, take your messy life and make it into a memoir and then a business. So I walk the reader through how to do that. And when do you think the best time is to start this process of of writing? I mean, I, I would assume even when you're in the muck, because I know so many people are in that right now. They're in the challenge. They're in the pain. They're in the struggle. They're up against the wall thinking, what am I going to do with my life? So I would assume that in that process, like I would recommend to my clients, there's an opportunity then to do writing and to use the writing as a healing process. But then what are the steps for actually moving it from, okay, my life is messy to a business? Is it that they have to have the hero's journey of coming out of it or can they use the mess and then come out of it? Like, what is that process? Because so often I hear from people who have incredible stories and yet they don't think they're valid or they don't think that they're enough to build a business on. And I absolutely loved your one interview where you were saying, you kept thinking, oh, should I go get a degree? Should I become a therapist? Should I go and expand my accolades? And and your manager, I think it was your manager at the time or someone that was working with you said, absolutely not. Like you yeah. have what people want, which is coming through the challenge and moving through the challenge and being able to come through on the other side. And so for the listener who is maybe in it or moving out of it, how would this process potentially work for them? It's such a good question because there is such a thing as too soon. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in it, yes, you can absolutely, and I recommend writing about it, but I think that it takes a little while to have a perspective that's going to help. So absolutely write about it. But if you want to write a memoir that you want to publish, I would say there should be some distance between mm-hmm. your experience and 
where you are right now. That being said, there are people, you know, I waited till I was four years sober to write Party Girl. And there are people who busted out with recovery memoirs when they're six months sober. So, but I think maybe keeping notes while you're in it with the idea, and maybe that's an incentivizer. It's just like, I'm going to make this into a book. I've got to heal so that I have a story that can help other people. So the process is, and, and what my agent had said was, you don't need a degree, you've got a book. Mm-hmm. So having the book, I mean, and you know this, is like the ultimate sort of stamp of validity. It is what, when people are picking speakers and you're up against someone else, they're going to pick the person with the book. It is a qualifier that is, I think, important for any entrepreneur now. So I believe that you can do it to build an existing business for sure. And those are most of our... So I should. I have this company, Launchpad Publishing, and, and the majority of our clients already have a very big business. They're seven and eight figure entrepreneurs who want to be in the media, who want to be in the public square. So they need a book in order to put them there. Mm-hmm. But you can also go the other way. You can use your book to launch your... Mm-hmm brand and start coaching and consulting and courses and all of those things. Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. I wanted to ask you too about the self-publishing versus publishing and kind of how you work with people, because I think that's another fear that people have, which is, again, I hear from just working with my clients, women who have such incredible stories and they're like, well, I don't have an audience yet. I don't have a following yet. And then that's what's setting them back. And I know that And I feel within me that it's a disservice for them not to be sharing their story. Again, obviously it's up to them to be sharing it, but there's these powerful stories that could really change people's lives. But I think that there's this limited belief around the platform has to be X, Y, Z big, and they have to have publishers wanting and reaching out to them. And so I'm curious your thoughts on that and how you kind of work people through that. Yeah. Well, unfortunately it is true about Mm -hmm. publishers. They are just simply not interested in anybody without a platform. And it's not that they're evil people who don't care about humanity. They want to know they're making an investment. They want to know that it's going to pay off and the public at large, blame the public at large, because, you know, if it's not somebody, the truth is it's like this sort of stats going around. It's like you have have to have, I know you were an exception, 100,000 Instagram followers, 10,000 on your newsletter list, or they're just not even going to read your proposal. And that's sad, but it is the reality. And it's so different. You know, I sold my first book before Facebook even existed. So that didn't matter at all back then. Now, you know, the rough statistic is two out of every 10,000 book proposals sell, and those are agented books. It's rough. Mm. So... The reality is, if you don't have that platform, 
a publisher is probably not going to buy your book no matter how incredible your story is. I think that's good news because screw the publisher. You can do it all yourself. You can create a book that's going to be indistinguishable from a book published by HarperCollins and you can control the process and you can keep all the money. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely, you know, I did six books for HarperCollins and I would never do a traditionally published book again. I'm sure I've spouted off about this to you or maybe I didn't because I was like, I don't think so, excited. but I, I want to hear, <laughs> I do want to hear about it. But you were in a different situation. Yeah. The majority of people, you know, I also know that people don't want to wait two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, there's a, there's, it's, it's such a patient process. And, you know, what's happening for me just honestly is every time I go back and I do edits, it's like a new therapy session. I'm just like pulling back the curtain and going through the healing process. And even while I was writing the book, I was in therapy every week because I was having to rehash the stories from my past and really dig up and refeel these emotions and these experiences that came forward. And, but with that said, I'm so happy and grateful for that process. And that's why I'm just encouraging anyone who's listening to really think about this process and work with you and get your book because it is such a powerful experience to be able to put it on paper. And maybe you'll write the book and it will sit for a bit before you have the courage to put it out. The process alone is very healing, which I am just such agreement of. Yeah. And that, but the healing of having other people read it Mm -hmm. and relate to it is, and especially if you're going to build a business around healing, you know, if you are a coach of any kind, and then you can use your book, you can just keep using it. You can make it into a course. You can make it into a podcast. You know, you can certify people. There's just so many things you can do. Mm -hmm. When you work with people one-on-one, do you have a lot of people who are like the vulnerability piece? Like they're really scared to share their story because they feel it will discredit them as let's say that top CEO or that top entrepreneur who's had it all together. I'm curious how that lands and how you help them move through that piece because... I know from a selling perspective and a marketing perspective that people want real people. They want people who have been through the shit and the pain and the struggles. And they want that relationship where they like aren't putting people on a pedestal anymore. That's actually not what audiences want anymore. But from a position of sharing your own story, I know for a lot of people that can be... And it can feel very vulnerable and scary to to be discredited, especially with the nature of social media right now. Have, have you been witnessing that or no? Well, the nature of social media right now is terrifying, frankly, right at this moment. But I will say about half of our books are straight up business books. Mm -hmm. So they're not people sharing their messy lives. And then the other half is memoirs. And because a lot of them are recovery memoirs, I'd say almost all of them. So I would say that the people who gravitate towards writing memoirs don't seem to struggle with the sharing. I don't do the writing. So I have this team of amazing writers. So I'm not the one sitting in there with them Mm. witnessing it. We do have a book right now that's really interesting where... Because you know we're expensive. Somebody paid us to write for one of my writers to sit and write with her. She doesn't know if she wants to publish it. Mm. She just wanted the experience and she's going to decide because she feels so vulnerable. Most people are coming to us with a very clear idea that this is a business tool that they want. And and I learned from clients because basically I published six books and it didn't help my career at all because I didn't understand that it could. And then the way this business started is somebody came to me and said, this sports agent who's sober, and he said, I want to be a recovery advocate. And I'm like, what's that? And he said, I want you to write my book. And he was so insistent that 
that I basically said, well, I don't want to write anyone's book, but I'll ask my friend. And then we published that book and he got a six-figure spokesperson deal the week it came out. He's you know signed crazy clients. He's now has this huge speaking career. And so I watched what my clients were doing and I saw what was possible. And mm. then that's when even more clients came in. Yeah, it's really, really interesting that from the depths of our truth, it kind of like gives us this platform to really continue to share more and more. For those that are in the healing process and wanting to just get started, what is your process for writing? What would that look like for someone who's just like, okay, I'm ready to just even get the sense of what the healing relationship to writing would look like? Like, do you sit down every day and write? Do you... How does that process work for you? Like I do the Pomodoro technique and I make sure I'm writing every every day for at least a couple hours, but I'm curious what your relationship to writing looks like and how you encourage people to really move through that from more of the healing perspective so people can really take these practices and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to at least write about what happened to me. And then I'm ready, as I always recommend, like write, ready to write the forgiveness letter and then potentially write the book. Like I think for some people listening, it's going to be more of those sort of steps are going to be needed before they're like willing to just... What's to the just forgiveness share. letter? So when I work with clients, I usually have them write about their experience or what's happened to them that's impacting their relationship with food and their body. And then we'll move to like the forgiveness letter if they need to write it to their parent, to their to their mother, to their grandmother, to a friend, a colleague, someone who maybe said something or did something that shifted their relationship with themselves and their inner self-love. And then they'll write a letter to themselves that is an apology letter for the way that they've treated their body their whole life. And that's been this really beautiful healing experience for so many, so many people. And after that, then I think a lot of them would be very much ready to be like, okay, I'm ready to like put it into something bigger. So I'm just curious your process. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of weird about writing because it's like my break. You know what I mean? Like I'm the opposite of someone who has to force herself to write. I'm like, my treat is I get Mm. to write. (laughs) So it's like, I'm a little bereft when I don't have a book I'm working on. Mm -hmm. So this last one, what I did is I was actually at Genius Network and one of the Genius members talked about how he lives in Amsterdam and he would have Dusseldorf mornings where he would go to Dusseldorf, which I don't know how far away that actually is uh, from Amsterdam. But and, and he would unplug until two o'clock in the afternoon and he would get all his best thinking done. And I decided to do Dusseldorf mornings and I just didn't turn on my Wi-Fi until noon or one o'clock. I couldn't make it till two. And I just wrote, that is great. If you can mm. do it before infecting your brain with anything else, I will say, so I started, I was telling you before we started recording on March 13th, when the stay at home order went into effect, I just basically felt powerless and wanted to do something. So I I said on Instagram and my newsletter list, Hey, I'm going to jump online at 10 AM and write for an hour. Come join me if you want. And about 30 people joined me and I kept doing it for a month. We did seven days a week. We didn't take weekends off. And then it became too much for me. And we converted it into a monthly membership program, which is still running and somebody else runs it and it's still 30 people. And they were all people who had been wanting to write books for years and years and years and just needed accountability. Mm. They just needed to know that other people were there. And, and this space became super sacred to them and group therapy and someone's getting divorced and someone's daughter is sick. And it's, you know, it just became this space for healing. 
So I think accountability is key. I think knowing what you're doing is key. I actually do have a download, a 10 chapter memoir. It's like a one page structure cheat sheet, which people can get at memoirdownload.com. Know what you're doing because the, the, I run into people who are like, oh, I've been working on my book for six years. I, all I think is that book must suck because if you told me you were working on it for six months, I'd think it was better because when you are working on something for that long, you did not know where you... I know because I've done it. You did not know where you were going. You did not know what you were doing and you're rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and making yourself crazy. So the way to avoid that is to go mm-hmm. in knowing the structure. And, mm. and hang your chapters and ultimately your words on that structure. And the, the book can write itself at that point. Mm. If you have a good editor, they'll give you the structure. But I mean, most people are going to be writing on their own. So, you know, a memoir is, is actually, it's pretty simple. It doesn't mean it's easy, but the structure is simple. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because the moment that I had accountability, the moment that I had someone to help me with my outline, the moment that I had, you know, someone to support me and hold me to each chapter. And the moment I got a publishing go, I was like, I have no more time to waste. Like this has to get done. And it was definitely was the reason it got done. And, and the reason it's coming out next year because I had that. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's really important. Can people still sign up for this membership or is it Closed. We are closed right now. Mm. Uh, allegedly, we're opening in August. I don't even know the URL because we may not. It's become this like such a... Oh, I know what the URL is. It's become such a tight-knit community that mm-hmm. we're not even sure. It's called the Inner Circle and the URL is Okay, Make sure to share that. And even if that doesn't end up relaunching in August... You can create that accountability with people in your community. You can create that accountability. You know, my, my husband and I are in different accountability groups. We hold each other accountable for our writing. If you want to get something done, you will absolutely get it done or they can hire you and your team to support them in creating the structure and really moving through this process. And I am in agreement that from a healing perspective, once someone has your story, and then you get feedback. Do you think the healing happens most when it's the feedback side? Because that's what it was for me when I started getting feedback from other women who were like, I'm going to go get my breast implants out because I recognize that they're making me sick because you shared your story. Or I'm going to finally sit down and meditate every day because I recognize that that's what's needed in order to really connect within. Like As soon as I started hearing that other women were taking steps because of my story actually really helped my healing process. And so I'm curious for you and then for most of your writers, what is kind of that next phase that really is the healing component that comes from putting your story out there? Because for me, it was like the moment I put it out, I was like scared. And then once the testimonials and people really started to connect with it, it was like, oh, okay, it's out there in the world. I'm not hiding behind it anymore. And I'm actually no longer keeping this to myself and hiding, you know, behind it. Yeah, I think, well, and I've witnessed a lot of people have that fear. And Mm -hmm. usually it's like they post their first essay or blog post on Facebook and they're terrified, especially if they're talking about addiction, that everyone's going to judge them. And they experience the opposite. They experience Mm -hmm. this outpouring of love. And oftentimes that gives them the courage to go with a book. I think there's healing at every stage. I think getting it down on paper can be the first thing I remember when I was, I, I majored in creative writing and the first short story that I wrote in college, I remember weeping because it was about trauma. And I remember saying very dramatically to my roommate, I am only going to write things that make me weep. Then I got graduated from college and I worked at like 
entertainment magazines and you, you know, it was celebrity profiles. So it was a tall order that I set for myself. But I do think, you know, another thing that I've done is storytelling shows. You know, I used to have a storytelling show at the Mint and there's something even more healing about you write it it's published and then you read it and you have an audience laugh at it. Mm. So you get that or whatever it is. And, and it's like, there's nothing like making yourself the hero or heroine of your story. And then having people laugh and go like, laugh with that. I get it. I relate because ultimately it's like, I don't know about you, but it's like, with pain or with your listeners, it's like, I think I'm all alone. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I convince myself I am alone with it, which is a total lie. But you can't convince yourself you're alone with it if you've got an audience of people laughing mm-hmm. in solidarity. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it's it's really important to remember that although people aren't going to have your exact same story, this is something I tell people all the time, although you know our stories probably will be different, the emotional experience that we feel is similar. The emotional challenges we've gone through are probably similar. The, whether your insecurity around your body came from your mom or your grandmother or someone else, it doesn't matter. It's still the emotion that you're holding within yourself, which is the relatable piece. And so whatever the struggle or the pain is that anyone is going through, I think that we can find parts of ourselves in others, which I think is the beautiful part of writing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that I see in 12-step every day. It's like an old man and a 12-year-old girl. There's not 12-year-old girls in AA. But like a 16-year-old girl is totally relating to what an 85-year-old man is saying. And they've had totally different life experiences, but the Mm -hmm. feelings are the same. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Do you have any words, last words you want to share? Anything you want the listeners to go and do or connect with you? I would love for you to just kind of share where they can reach out as well to to you specifically. So start writing. If you've listened Mm -hmm. all the way through and you have just this, like even this feeling of like, maybe I want to do this, just start writing. And in terms of accountability, call a friend and say, I'm going to start writing my book. And let, you know, let me bookend it. Let me call you tomorrow and tell you that I did it. If you want, of course, my book will walk you through it. So you can go to makeyourmessyourmemoir.com. There's links to buy the book, information about the book. I have all sorts of bonuses for bulk orders and things like that. So that is a great way to get started. I also have a podcast that gives all sorts of book launch tips. So every week I interview a best-selling author about their book launch tips. I've had Chris Voss and Adam Carolla and Laura Gottlieb and all these people. So that's a good way to get more information too. Yes, I will be listening to that around the clock. Voraciously devouring it. I'll secretly tell you the best episodes. I'm going to be taking notes and staying up late and listening to that as soon as my last round of edits are, then it's like straight to marketing phase. Thank you so much for being here and sharing. And I'm, I, I really am deeply grateful for you and the gift that you give the world in terms of allowing other people to get their voice and their message and their brand around who they are and what they stand for. I mean, there's nothing greater than empowering people to share and be vulnerable and, and speak their truth. And I just deeply, deeply am grateful for you and, and what you do. I am so grateful to you. You know, I, I told you this before, but it's like what you and Craig have added to my life. I mean, it's totally transformed my experience of Los Angeles and I've lived here since 1996. So that's saying a lot. And I just can't wait till real life starts again so that we can experience it some more. Yeah. So, we can, so I can actually see you and hug you in person. It's going to be great. Well, thank you so much. And if you're listening, definitely go check out the links below and connect with Anna further to get all of the information that she shared today. Bye. Thank you, Sarah.
I am so grateful for Anna's message today. Through her encouragement, I hope that you find inspiration to start sharing your story and holding it to the same level of importance as any storyteller you admire and respect. When I began my own journey as a wellness coach, I knew I wanted to help others and uplift those in need of support, just like I needed it when I was going through my challenges. It took time to feel comfortable being vulnerable, but I found that by sharing my story, I was able to better relate to those coming to me with similar struggles or even those with dissimilar challenges. Through creating the Awesome Inside Out community, I wanted to create this safe space for women to come together to share their experiences and ultimately find support. And I can attest to the fact that I have felt deeply moved by my clients and community members and their stories, listening to and discovering how they rose above their own challenges the challenges that they endured has made me a better student, a better coach, and a better individual. This week, I want to encourage each and every one of you to start sharing your experiences and the lessons that you've learned over your lifetime. Take a moment to reflect in your journal or even share your experience with just one person that you trust. Think of a time in your life that you felt challenged, that felt painful, or perhaps you felt defeated. How did that experience feel in the moment? How were you able to pull yourself through that challenging time? Looking back, what advice would you give your younger self to better navigate that time in your life? Start, as Anna shared, by writing every single day, even if it's just a few minutes, and notice and witness how through writing, you may potentially experience deeper healing. I trust that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was a conversation I believe that we can all benefit from. And so if you enjoyed this conversation, if you got value from the wisdom shared, I recommend listening to my podcast with Melissa Monte. As we approach a similar topic from a different angle of empowering others to upgrade the stories that we unconsciously tell ourselves over and over again further, drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's resonating. What do you want to hear more of? How can I support you? What questions do you want answered on this podcast? It means the world to me when you connect with me and I want to also celebrate you. So again, if you found this podcast helpful, it would mean the world to me. If you could share it with someone that you love or post it on social media and tag me. You can find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next time, I am sending you a massive virtual hug, sending you so much love for an epic, beautiful, productive, inspiring, celebratory week ahead. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight, because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.